Hello and welcome to the Spirit Talk podcast, where we'll talk all things spiritual. I'm your host and the creator of the podcast, Brandy Bolton. Join me at looking at spirituality from many different angles. There will be no stone left unturned. From science and spirit to topics that some may call woo-woo, I will also discuss my own experiences as a developing psychic and medium. This podcast is for all the seekers out there, and I sincerely hope you enjoy. Hello, Spirit Talk listeners. Thank you so much for joining me, my little soul tribe. Check out the Facebook group, Spirit Talk, a soul tribe, if you want a group for spiritual discussion. We're really building it up, and it's becoming more and more active. You can also follow me on Instagram at spirittalk13. You can find all the links in the show notes, including today's special guest. I am so excited to share this episode with you, where I talk with Melissa Lyons, an author, a speaker, and a coach. We have a fantastic high vibe chat. I know a lot of you will resonate with what she has to say about having achieved her goals and accomplished everything she thought she wanted and still felt an emptiness, an unhappiness, and how she found joy. Also, she talks about how she channeled her book, and we get into all kinds of little things, meditation, and something she calls thought nutrition. So I'm very excited to bring you this conversation between myself and Melissa Lyons. Please enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you here. And it's kind of interesting how we've connected. (laughs) My mom (laughs) and you met in the Okanagan. I don't know, where were you? Oliver or Peachland? I was in Peachland. Yeah, actually, we have common friends, my aunt and uncle. Yes. So my mom was with your aunt and uncle and you're seeing them and you guys connected and how funny. And I take this kind of as a synchronicity. So she's got your book, which is now in my hands and she, she's mailed it to me. And I got to tell you, I teared up when I read it for the first time and I was reading it to my kids. It was a really nice experience, actually. It was a beautiful sunny day. We're outside. I'm like, oh, I got this book. And again, with the synchronicity, you found me on Facebook that very day. These things just work themselves out. So it's a pleasure to connect with you. And we thought, you know, we could chat for hours. Let's have a nice little high vibe chat on the podcast. And I thank you for agreeing to that. My pleasure. I'm very happy to meet you and be part of what you're creating and giving to the world. Thank you. Yeah, it's a new, it's it's a little baby still, but I do want to share people's stories and it's for inspiring people among other things. But what I think is going to come out of this episode is a lot of inspiration for people. You kind of have this story of changing your life from one thing to totally another thing. And out of it came this book and your other books. And we'll talk about that. But you owned a spa, right? I did. Yeah, a salon and medical spa. Okay, so you owned a spa. Let's start from there. You took a break. And then what happened? Well, I have to tell you, I don't think we can start from there. I think we have to start a little bit sooner. Is that okay? Please, please. Yes. Tell it in your own way. Don't be afraid to talk for as long as you want. 
Well, I just need to tell you that when I sold the salon in the medical spa that I built from the ground up after owning it for 11 years, I had ticked off every single box that I'd put out there for my life in terms of things that I wanted to accomplish, are my goals. And I was emptier than I ever thought that I could be at a time when I should have thought, hey, like this is awesome. And I should have felt fulfilled. So that that's why we can't start there because a lot of my life led up to that moment. I've been searching for something my whole life with an emptiness and a darkness and turmoil deep inside me that no one else could see. And, you know, goal after goal achieved and having everything that a person could ever want or need and finding out that you're still very empty is a pretty, um, pretty interesting place to be in. And so I think that's where we need to start is I had everything and I had, and I felt I had nothing. Yeah. So there's books about people who are saying their regrets as they're on their deathbed. And one of them is, I wish I had lived a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And so it kind of sounds like that's what you're talking about. That's the space that you were in. Is that right? That's the beauty of our conversation right now is because you don't know it, but you just said the answer and you don't even know that about me. So when I found myself in that situation and my husband turned to me one day and he said to me, are you ever going to be happy? And I said to him, I don't know. I don't know because there's not anything else that a person could give me or that I could have that would have given me happiness in that moment. And I realized then and there that I had no idea who I was. If you take away boss, business owner, mother, wife, sister, friend, you take away all those labels. I was this person with absolutely no identity. And I've been living that way my whole life. And if I didn't know who I was, my husband didn't know me. My parents didn't know me. My children, like no one knew me. And I've really been living a lie. Maybe not a lie, but I wasn't living my truth. And I didn't know what my truth was. And so there, that began my journey. Right? And that's, what, that's really what it was. It was that realization when you're living the life that you were supposed to live and you have no idea about the life you were meant to live. Mm -hmm. So you started to follow your heart? Yeah. Well, no, I didn't start to follow my heart because I had no idea how to do that. I didn't know what right. it was. I, my heart and my head were so disconnected to the point that, you know, when you don't know what you don't know. Well, I was at the, the tip of that, that journey. I had no idea what I didn't know. And so, yeah, it started to be a spiritual quest it really did. And even that in itself, separating spirituality from religion and, and separating faith from um, what's in your heart, which is what you're told should be in your heart. <laughs> Yeah, mm, what we're told, right? what we're told, right? I think you're speaking from your heart now, that's obvious, but so many people are in that place that you're talking about, feeling kind of a little bit lost or hopeless or like they've done everything right, you know, but by the book, by what other people are expecting of them, they're still feeling empty inside. So what happened, you, you reached kind of a point where you thought, oh, I might never be happy. So what steps did you take? So that, yeah, that was it. It was like I, that was the tipping point for me. It wasn't my first tipping point. And um, it certainly wasn't anywhere close to the breakdowns I'd had along the way. So I had many signs along my journey. I was 47 years old when I sold the spa. Um, so I had many signs along my journey, including like full emotional breakdowns where it was like, it wasn't enough to, to, to wake me up. But this really woke me up. That, are you ever going to be happy? I think at that point, I had the freedom to follow a new path. And so, yeah, so I, I started to speak to different spiritual people. I did work in SRT, um, Reiki. I was given the gift of three months to do nothing, 
to read, to learn to meditate, to, to dabble in yoga for the first time, to explore myself. And so um, I had a plan and an opportunity. And three days into that, I was so full of guilt and so full of fear and so full of everything. Who am I to, to take time just for myself and my family's out there, you know, slogging it out in the kitchen and cleaning and doing things. I felt like it's amazing when we're given the gift of, of not of doing anything we want for ourselves, especially as women. I don't want to say only as women, but especially as women, you're given this gift of you have no responsibilities and we have no idea how to live with no responsibilities. <laughs> no kidding. And so, yeah, lesson number one is that the, the most important thing that I, that I leaned into and sort of um, allowed to unfold was the ability to, to see the importance of self-healing, self-care, self-discovery, and that everything else would be okay while I did it. Mm-hmm. So that was the first step. And so in my three months, I, I had this plan. And I, I'll share with you that I have an MBA only in the sense that it, it impacts this conversation. I had a goal-setting MBA approach to it. So that in three months, I was going to do this, do this, do this. I would know who I was, what I was meant to do, because I had all the time to do it, and I would figure it out. <laughs> so you're not going to be surprised to hear at the end of three months. I was further lost than when I started, because I was mad. <laughs> Right. And you were so pissed off controlling everything about that three month break. It wasn't really a break. It was like, oh, I need to get this done now. (laughs) Find myself. Within this time frame. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, if you're not under that rock, you're under this rock and then this rock. And and yeah, so that was the best part. So my my counselor at the time or the person I was working with, my coach said to me, "Um, yeah, and the harder you try, the longer this is going to take. Good advice. So great advice. And I, I say it to people all the time and they look at me with the same deer in the headlight eyes that I had at that time, the harder you try. So if you can imagine holding a handful of water, it's my best analogy and you're holding it and you, you can, you know, you've got water in your hand, the harder you squeeze, if you squeeze it all, is less water you're holding. So the harder you squeeze your life and the harder you squeeze trying to figure out things versus allowing it to show you and come to you, the longer it's going to take, the less you're going to have. Yeah, that's really, really good insight and something along the lines that I'm teaching my kids and preaching to myself and my friends and people in my life is just follow the breadcrumbs, like let it unfold, you know, tap into yourself and see what you like, what you love, discover yourself. Just because we've been on the planet for however long doesn't mean we know ourselves fully, right? Especially when we are trying to live up to expectations that aren't really even in an alignment with how we are as a being. So I love what you're saying. Love that. Yes. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're aligned with it because at your age and with your children as young as they are, like you're, you're, you're that much farther ahead. And people think ahead means like ahead as closer to a goal. No, you're just that much farther ahead to discover more mm-hmm. in, in a certain period of time. But it all, everything's part of the divine timing. So there's no regrets and there's never too late and there's never too early. There's too fast and there's too too much of control. But the rest of it does unfold at when it's meant to. And I, and I love feeling that and truly believing, not just saying it, but actually saying it from my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the end of those three months, um, I then we then sat down and it's like, yeah, I'm still not happy. In fact, I'm <laughs> even less like less happy than I was. So I, I agreed then to pick up jobs and to pick up projects and to pick up things that I could do to contribute to our family life and you know be part of the whole thing, but not commit to anything unless it felt fully aligned to what 
made me feel alive. And I still had no idea what that was. So those three months actually morphed into 30 months. So now we can fast forward and there's a million things in the middle. But I was on an island in Thailand when I wrote the book, but it's not what people think when I say that. So it was our 50, my 50th birthday and our 25th wedding anniversary. And it was supposed to be this wonderful trip. And while I was there, I was actually stuck in my room for three days. And I stuck in bed because there aren't chairs there. Uh, and so th there were like monsoon rains and there's a lot, a lot of things that happened. But the, the trip was like, I don't know how to say, it was challenging. It was beautiful and enlightening and everything. And so... At the, the tail end of our trip where we'd actually like with backpacks on our back, walking through thigh high water with open cuts on our feet, trying to find somewhere to stay because everybody had gotten off the island and the boats were all gone. You know, it was that kind of, I paint the picture. We were in a hotel and I didn't have enough internet and I was really pissed off about that too. Like this is like my mindset in the days, right? So I went to the front desk to say to the, to the person, like we paid for a room and our internet's crappy and there's mosquitoes in there. And he looked up at me and he said, I'm so sorry. I can't even get word to the mainland to my family to tell them I'm okay. Wow. Yeah. Like light bulb Flat. moment. Yeah. Light bulb moment. Yeah. And it was the next day that the book came to me. And it was a beautiful thing because I, I think that I was given the most wonderful opportunity. It was the end of 30 months of self-discovery. It, it culminated in the most beautiful place in the world being a place that, that wasn't what it was supposed to be and coming into the understanding that all is as it should be. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And finding peace in the moment wherever you are. Right. It seems like how you describe yourself prior you seem like a different person almost. Do you feel that way when you look back at your old self? Uh, yeah, I, I say everything about me is exactly the same and everything about me is totally different. So yeah, it's hard even to answer that because I look the same, do the same things, but it comes from such a different place. And I can find myself off like, this internet sucks and blah, blah, blah. And then I catch myself saying, you know, and just seeing the, per you know what it is? Where I might have had five perspectives, now I have 5,000. Uh -huh. And the most amazing ones can come to light really fast. So life is never perfect, and I'm never perfect. But my recovery and my realignment has become almost automatic. And I think that's, that's the only thing that's different, mm -hmm. is, is I'm able to realign and see things from the light where I want to see things and I choose to think, see things. And I didn't know how before. That's all. I'm the yeah. same person. Yeah, but it's come through your self-discovery and um, introspective time and that period that you took to discover what you like, what you, who you are, that's kind of connected you, I think, more deeply to your intuition, right? So you kind of have this closeness with you and your higher self or your soul, so you're able to correct your thoughts more quickly if they are going downhill or, you know, going negative on you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have the ability to set my intentions and stay aligned on a course that allows me to show up for myself the way I want to show up for myself. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. And I'm not in a hurry anymore. I learned one of the, my biggest lessons was to live for um, the cause, not the effect. You know, live, live for the process, not the outcome. I really lived for the effect and the outcome. My, uni my, my education, my business, the things that I've built and done over the years, it was to see what I could create, but I never took time in the creation and enjoying it. Right. And so I think that's really changed everything in my life. 
Wow. And it's just mindfulness and being present, but those are just words. Yeah. But when you actually think about it, like it's like, you know, you probably heard it described when you go on a trip and you decide you're going to drive there and you know, it's 24 hours, you don't get in the car and say, are we there yet? Mm-hmm. You know, and you're not angry and frustrated and, and upset the whole way there. Cause you know, there's a journey to get there. Well, that's just our lives. Yeah. And the journey and so is we're in part of the fun. It has to be because as soon as you get wherever you're going, there's someone else somewhere else to go again. Yeah. You're never done. So what's the rush? Yeah, exactly. So glad we're talking about this. So you're in Thailand and you write a book, but you have talked about, um, I've read on your website that it came to you without you really even knowing how. Can you talk to us about that a little? Yeah. So for anyone who's listening and they're wondering about their creative ability or their creativity, I never felt creative. And if anything, I was, I know now something happened at one point in my life where I must've received some strong criticism or feedback that made me shut that part of myself down. So I was told early on in my my beginning three months to journal. And so I started to journal um, and I quickly found out that I don't even know what to write. So I would start to write words. So the day, that day in Thailand, this is how I would journal. Boat, water, fish, man, tea, chocolate, tree, sand, beach, sky, star, rock. And I just would write words. And I did this a lot, but on that particular day, I wrote words till I guess I forgot I was writing. And I literally looked down at my, my journal and the story was there. 80% as you read it in the the complete book was there. And when I write, I make all kinds of like mistakes writing because, you know, you think faster or you write faster. Not only did I not have mistakes, the words all rhymed. So that's what happened. And so I know it was a download and I know, you know, and then it was like, what do I do with this? And I read it first and it was fine. And my husband, he'd been scuba diving at the time and he'd come out of the water and he said to me, like, what happened to you? You look like something happened. And I said to him, I think I just wrote a book. And he kind of rolled his eyes. He's kind of like, here we go again. And I'm like, no, like I really did. Can I read it to you? And he said, sure. And I started to read it to him and I couldn't. And it was months, months. In fact, sometimes still to this day, I can't read those words. I sob, I cry, like I, like there's like, I sweat. Like there's a physical response to those words when I read them that I'll be reading them like, I'll be talking like this now. And then just all of a sudden I'm like overcome with emotion. So like, I knew that they weren't just words, but then all of a sudden it's like, what do I do? It's like seeing a ghost. It's like, now what? Wow. You know, I can relate to what you're saying about when you read this book, there's a vibration to it. You know, it is, you're talking about so much in the book. It's a five minute read. Like it's a tiny little book that's absolutely gorgeous with the the pairing of the illustrations. We'll get into that, but there's a vibration to it. It's it's that divine spark that you just grabbed onto in the right moment. And it's, you know, it's very healing. It's, it's something everybody who's listening, who's lost a loved one, even if you haven't yet, I encourage you to go and buy it. The way that it goes with the the illustrations is just beautiful. My boys were pointing out the hearts and the chest of the little children. And, you know, there's little woodland creatures and, and whatnot. Did that have some kind of a divine timing thing with finding the illustrator as well? Yeah, it it, it really did. Um, and I have to say, so when I read the book, 
at first read and the way that it's been illustrated, it does deal, um, not so much illustrated, but the way I've presented it, it deals with loss, right? Mm -hmm. Grief and loss. It's hope and love after grief and loss. And at that time, my kids were, yeah, they were like late teens, if not one of them early in their early twenties at the time. And, um, I, I was filled with this fear that is this a premonition? Is this preparing me for a loss? Because we've really, as all four of us, which is so rare, never experienced any kind of tragic or unexpected death. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't gone through it. So I was quite scared. So I worked through that though. Not scared. It's the wrong word to, to use. Sorry. I was like aware that this might be telling me something or preparing me for something. Mm-hmm. So as I looked for the illustrator, um, that was what was in my mind. This is about grief and grief and loss. Or deals with grief and loss. It's about hope and love. And I found this beautiful young girl in Michigan. And she's so she's American, but she literally lived like seven kilometers across the water from my house. And I'd been all over kind of the world on the internet finding people to find someone so close. And I, I wanted to know why she wanted to do the illustration. And she said, because my grandfather died and my grandmother is still really sad. And I knew she got it because this book is not for children. It is for children, but it's for the child in all of us. No, it's it's absolutely for everybody. I knew there was going to be a story there with the illustrator. <laughs> yeah, Fantastic. and she's so special. Yeah, yeah, and all those little creatures and stuff. Um, she's got them in her house, and so yeah, so it was a beautiful thing, uh, and and that's how that's how we got together with that first book, and and I I love it. Uh, but I have to tell you the same reason that I didn't know what that book was about. And I do believe that it's here for loss and, and getting people through that journey. I never knew what it meant to me until 18 months later. That's how long it took to Leonard's to why I wrote those words. Mm-hmm. And and how did you come to learn why the, the, the words came to you? So I was in a, sim- a similar situation, but not the same. I was in mm-hmm. Philadelphia in honestly like a sleazy cockroach infested hotel because we were snowed in and there was nowhere to go and all the flights were canceled and I got that last room and then I couldn't get dinner I'd had lunch I couldn't get dinner because of all of that and I felt so sorry for myself because by North American terms I was hungry because <laughs> I missed a meal right and and I had that victim kind of thing and I went to bed for a, a lot of other reasons feeling really horrible. And I was kind of like on a a downspin, you know, you can go up and down in your emotions. And I woke up the next morning, really not in a great state. And so I did a meditation that ended up being like, honestly, a couple of hours. I'd never had an experience like that before, but I had nothing else to do anyway. And so I was just trying to work through. And then I had a similar experience. Like when I started writing again and I got this message and I had the body sweats and the tears and the that same thing. And pretty much what it said was, these words are for you. These messages are for you from a part of yourself to you now saying that you're supposed to leave the life you've been living for your whole life, grieve the loss of that life as you step into the life you were meant to live. Wow. Yeah. And it was like a full download again, describing to me that the book was only ever meant for me to help me step out, step out of the person I'd been living and into the person that I was meant to be and, and let that person go without sad, like, like, just like if you read the book again and you imagine stepping into a new form of life, but you're the same person, but you've mm-hmm. let that part of you go, mm-hmm. even let that part of your ego go, that your ego protected me for 50, for 50 years it did that. And then all of a sudden I had to say, oh, I don't need you anymore in that regard or that way or that don't show up like that for me anymore. 
So it's you know, very cool. Yeah, that is very cool. And <laughs> yeah, when I read the book, I was thinking, you know, this could be a departed loved one who's crossed over, who's on the other side, speaking to me, or it could be my own self, or it could be a spirit guide, or it could be just, you know, an angel or whatever your beliefs are. I'm, I'm thinking this for myself. Wow, this could be from the perspective of my own self speaking to myself. So I love that you've said that because I, I get it. Um, you can read it in, in many, many different ways. And I've already read it several different times. I'm going to cherish this book and I'm going to buy a few to give to people, uh, you know, whenever I feel the, the spark to give to somebody, whenever I think somebody needs it, because it is so healing. How did you come to come back from Thailand and publish the book? You kind of worked up the courage or what happened there? Yeah, you know, I did. And I thought I, I never thought that I was going to write a book or be in that situation. So I didn't understand. I was naively guided to, to publishers to ask people to help me. And, you know, I like door closed, door closed, door closed, door closed, right? And so I just decided to find an illustrator and, and do it myself. So I did that and I had them printed in China. Another really interesting part of this book I need to tell you, and well, two, let me just say one thing about the book, because you're, as you're telling our listeners, you know, about what it means to you. Uh, a lady um, connected me with a hospice group in Barrie because she'd gotten her hands on the book. She'd lost her nine-year-old son. And for her, she found out he was sick with a tumor. And I think that he lived like maybe nine more weeks. So she was, of course, you know, you can, we don't need to just talk about what she's going through. And so I'd, I'd been there and the book really helped her and helped her other child as well. When I described the story about how the book came to me, she said this to me, and I hear this a lot, but she said it to me in a way that I really want to share is that when she heard that I didn't write those books, the words, that they didn't actually come from me, they came through me, she was convinced that it was her son talking to her. And you just said a loved one that passed over. People hear the words and they actually hear their loved one saying it to them in their words. And there's an authenticity to that because it wasn't created by man. Yeah, like there were right. just words that, that showed up. And so, so as I, as I say that to you, so as I was going through the process of these words, there was one group of people who were grieving because I still thought it was only about grief at the time of suicide. I didn't know how the book could work for someone who'd lost someone um, death by suicide. And I'd gotten the first book back at the mock-up from China and it still didn't work. And I was sleeping one night and at one o'clock in the morning, I sat up like I, like a bolt. I sat up and I got the words um, and it's the page with the cardinal. And it says, it was my time to go and I can't explain why, but there was a reason. It was my turn to fly. Those words came to me in the night. I wrote them down and I'm like, that's it. That's the page that will help someone dealing with someone who's died by suicide. And the next morning, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time saying this. The next morning when I woke up, friends of ours, like that we'd known through the years, their son had died that night by suicide in their in their barn. So the night that the words came was the night that people we knew and a boy that we knew died and then by suicide and those words just came. So like things like that happened in that book that that's one of many other stories. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You know, a week ago I did 
I do practice readings like intuitive reading, psychic. I'm working on developing those abilities. And so I practice. And a week ago, I tuned in. Somebody asked me, can you please try to tune into this um, energy of their loved one? And they did die by suicide. And the message from this crossed over loved one was, I'm flying now. I'm flying now. I didn't know what that meant. You know, it did bring some comfort to the person who was receiving the message, but (laughs) I'm just getting these little clicks as you're talking too. like, you know, wow, you are a channel definitely. And you've channeled this book and it's, it's really amazing. I'm so glad that you've had the experiences leading up to it where you were ready to do you and live your life fully to your own heart's desire and and follow what meant something to you without really um squeezing it too tightly because that's that's what's led this book to be published and it's important it's important work so yeah interesting how that the flying the flying thing wow and the cardinal on the page really jumped out to me on that page as well wow okay so yeah the book talks about everything. It's a really short read, but I like that. Sometimes (laughs) I'm a person who will open a book that's lengthy and just have to put it down and months later read more into it. It'll take me six months to read a book sometimes because I have to, you know, there's not a lot of time, (laughs) whatever. Um, So I do like this, that it's short, it has the beautiful illustrations, and it's just digestible. But every time you go to read it, it's something new. That's what I've found in the short time that I've had it. So I really appreciate that about it is that you can just pick it up and read it in a few minutes and get some different kind of inspiration out of it. And it's kind of a co-creation. Your own soul as the reader is giving you the message that you need out of the time from the book. Because there's a lot in there. When I say it's a five-minute read, well, it talks about following your heart, honoring your loved one by living your best life. It talks about getting over fears. And it's (laughs) jam-packed. Yeah, sometimes less is more. And I think that's again, wasn't my design. It's, it's the way that it came by design. It also helps a parent who's, who's grieving the loss of their parent, for example, and they're talking to their own children and they don't have the words or the energy or the strength at the moment. It allows everybody to find their own piece of healing within the same space. And yeah. we talked earlier about pets. So the pet book was, I want to just, can we touch on that for a quick minute? Yeah, please. Just for yeah. people who might have lost well, yeah. a beloved so pet. I will- I Will Always Love You is your first book. That's what we've been talking about. And you've written now three since then? Well, I Will Always Love You is in a journal as well. So the story itself, because I believe that this book, my goal through my coaching business is to make like a year-long coaching program Mm -hmm. that people will come in and we'll work through I Will Always Love You so that people can step into the life they are meant to live. Mm -hmm. And that whole 12 months will be, how do you take who you are now and be the same person a year from now, but have your life completely different? but have everything you want still there. So that's, that's what I'm going to do. So the journal lets the words just be at the front and then you take the story without the the same pictures. Um, And then the second book is until we meet again. And it was the same kind of thing. I was looking for um, a marketing piece and I was going through my computer one day trying to find a marketing piece for somebody who was helping me with my book. And I came across this word document, which was 
Until We Meet Again, which is this book, was called Paw Prints on My Heart at the time. I found it in my computer and I forgot that I'd written it. And I don't even remember. I didn't at the time remember putting it. It was all like burst out and everything. I have no memory of it. But I know I wrote it because I have all like the, the paper and everything. Like it's not like it's somebody else's, but I wasn't even looking for it. I found it. So that's when I think the divine timing kind of like turns the light on. Mm-hmm. And it's the same. It's the same number of pages, kind of the same number of words, but there's lines in there. So it's when now it's your pet who's left this physical plane talking to you as the pet owner. Mm-hmm. And there's two of the things that I love most. One page is I taught you things. So this is your dog talking to you. Mm-hmm. I taught you things as you watched me live. Unconditional love and to always forgive. Aww. That's one of the lines. And then another one, which is I think for me, was allow your mind time to unwind and be free. Be as kind to yourself as you were to me. Definitely a challenge message there. Yeah. Yeah. I have a departed dog, a dear dog in heaven. So I'm going to pick that book up. Yeah, for sure. Well, you don't have to pick it up. I'm going to send you (laughs) some beautiful (laughs) gifts. But yes, I want you to have it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I looked at your website or I don't know if it was your website or your Facebook or I looked at a bunch of your things and you had this term thought nutrition. I hadn't heard that. So I'm wondering what does that mean to you? And I know you're, you have a coaching business. This kind of parlays into that with thought nutrition. I had not heard that uh, phrase. Did you coin it yourself? Where did that come from? What does that mean to you? I'm really glad you asked this question because I, I, I work, I go back and forth. So I didn't, I came up with it myself, but when I looked for it, it wasn't new. So it was the first time I'd heard it. It came to me. It felt right. There are people out there talking about it. And really it comes down to this. Remember an apple a day keeps the doctor away or helps keep the doctor away. Do you remember that? Are you old enough to know that one? Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So when we think We know that our thoughts have power over our health. We know this. And so to talk to people like you wouldn't wake up every day and crack open a beer or have a shot of vodka instead of water with lemon. And you don't usually grab a bag of chips or a candy bar. I mean, there might be days where you do that, but we think about the nutrition in our body because we want to be healthy. We have to think about our thoughts and what we carry in our mind as the same thing. And when we have healthy, high value nutritional thought in our mind, we're going to have a healthier life all the way around. More happiness, more joy, higher frequency, higher vibration. So thought nutrition is meaning add the nutrition to the value of what you're thinking. The same way you think about the nutrition that you put in your body. So that's yeah. where that, that comes from. But, you know, from there, or not even from there, one of the books that, that is, I'm working on that's like, you know, a lot, I have like a bunch of them that are like 80% finished. But my favorite line in my life and what I really would like to have on my, my tombstone, if there is such a thing by the time that I'm gone, is when you feel yucky, you're really quite lucky. That's the phrase I want to be remembered <laughs> for my whole life. When you feel lucky, you're really quite lucky. Okay. When you feel yucky, you're really quite lucky. Unpack this a bit for us. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that when we are alive, we are all here with for a purpose, right? Everybody has a purpose. And when we're living on purpose and with a purpose, we're happy, we're joyous, we're feeling that little, you know, the hop in our step. And when we're off our path or off our journey and we're misaligned, we're feeling kind of yucky. 
And, you know, the same way my car has, has a lane departure alert, and when it's turned on and I go off the off where the, where the um, satellite says I should be, it beeps. So when you're living your life and everything's good, it's fine. And when you start to feel yucky, it's your lane departure alert beeping you, saying to you, hey, quick, I want your attention to come back on path. And, it, yeah. you know, and so it's just that thing, like, as soon as you don't feel great, you're so lucky because you are accessing your own personal guidance system to remind you that there's room to feel better. There's room to realign your thoughts. There's room to readjust, come back to the intentions you set for yourself. Yes. So when you're talking to a little kid and you're trying to explain it to them why thoughts matter, back to thought nutrition or an apple a day keeps the doctor away, good thoughts keep you healthy. So when you're feeling yucky, you're so lucky because someone just reminded you or something in your body works so well that it's telling you you've got to change, clean up your thoughts, not clean them up, pay attention to them. Yeah. Let the emotions Allow them to, be the guide. Yeah. Come. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you feel yucky, you're really quite lucky. I love it. <laughs> it's like um, a way of explaining that our soul has like a GPS system built in. And we're ready to uh, follow that. Yeah. Instead of being a victim and letting that yuckiness be your identity and take over your life, right? Oh my goodness. I just love this conversation. So that is probably a big part of your coaching. Talk a little bit about the coaching programs that you run and for people who are interested in working with you. Yeah, I, I would love to. And it's evolved, you know, I started out by just doing online courses, but I think that the thing is, is that there's a lot of information. We can get anything we want on the internet. We can watch YouTube videos and there's powerful things, but it's that transformation piece that we miss. And the transformation comes from building in rituals that are aligned with our soul so that we want to do them, not that we have to do them. And so my coaching really focuses on getting people from where they are to where they want to be by showing them that they already have everything they need. Like we're all so complete with everything we need, but what we don't have is alignment and we don't have that thing. We go out to set goals, but they're not soul goals. And then we mm -hmm. find ourselves empty and unfulfilled because there's a better way, an easier way, a more, a happier way to do it. And so that's what I do is take what people already have, which is everything they'll ever need and help them see their, their potential and their endless um, possibilities that are with them right now, but they just can't open the doors. And, and I, I think it's the ritual thing that we need. That's fantastic. I love for your clients that you're coming from the other side. You know, you're just a little ahead of where they are in terms of you've been there, you've been unhappy, even though you have achieved all your goals and you found yourself, oh, what the heck? This is actually not what I wanted. And you've, you've done it. So uh, to learn from you would be an amazing opportunity for everybody that you work with. So you just said something and it sparked another question, but I've lost it. That's okay. Oh, journaling. Is that something you did before? Or you said that somebody had prompted you to start journaling and you kind of started with baby steps. Does that mean that that was new to you? Yeah, it was not only was it new to me, it was something that I resisted. I resisted. I was told, you know, throughout the years, let me like, if I take you back um, about four years before I sold my business or five years before I sold my business, which was like a thriving entity, 
I had a really horrible moment where 80% of my staff walked out and it was a really, I have chills as I'm telling you. I thought life was over as I knew it. I gave up. I lost all hope. I mean, it was bigger than what I'm describing, but I actually didn't even eat for like probably a week. And I'm that person that when I'm stressed or upset, I eat, I overeat. I couldn't, I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I probably was a couple of days short of being hospitalized and I, nobody could get to me. And a woman, like, here's the scene, and it's a true scene. I had a race ranch at the time, and I was with my husband, somebody else, and a woman who had been working with me. And my two girls were at the top of the stairs looking down, thinking that I was dying. And she said, is this what you want to teach your children? Is this what you want them to see in you? And it, it was what I needed to snap me out of it. And I, I share that with you because we get to those points where we lose our purpose, we lose our perspective. And I didn't want to journal. And when I actually finally allowed myself to, to, to write those words down, which came after the, the, the beginning of the three months, I journaled about all these things that had happened in my life. And I, I think that I had sealed all those things off, you know, and we carry all that pain with us throughout our lives. And the journaling at that point, I realized started to unpack it and just let it go. Like it was like, like melting butter in a saucepan. So yeah, I journal therapeutically. I never journal with a purpose other than to just meet myself for the first time. I mm, love that very much. And I was um, kind of on the right track because you mentioned, you know, building rituals. I think that's the word you used. Um, I so I'd imagine journaling is a part of your ritual now in life. Yeah, it is. But you know, we teach that which we are here to learn, right? And so I get in patterns where I don't journal regularly or I miss meditating. And people say to me like, oh, how much better you, do you feel when you meditate? Because I would never meditate. I didn't want to meditate. I didn't want to journal. I, didn't, I still don't really do yoga yet, but I know I will because it's calling me. But the thing is, is it's not so much how much I feel better when I do it. It's when I don't do it, the absence of it is so obvious. So, yeah, so when I miss journaling or I go away and I don't take my time to, to get into my true ritual when I wake up and before I go to bed, things start to not work so smoothly. Mm. Yeah, it's a good reminder. Yeah. Once you get back to it and you're like, oh, yeah, that's why I yeah. was doing this before. <laughs> yeah, and you think, oh, I, I shouldn't stop again. <laughs> right, and then, but you know you will, but then the, the, the times that you stop are less, and I think that's a big part of this whole coaching thing. What All a coach is is someone who brings you new perspective, keeps you honest and accountable to yourself, and, and, and just as your lane departure alert, like in terms of seeing things. Okay. So let's just touch on meditation. Is that a part of your regular practice, your daily practice these days? Yeah, it is. Um, it really is. And again, it wasn't something that I was open to because I didn't see the value. Like, you know, there's all these things that need to be done, you know, and you sit there and you do nothing. Uh, but I just, I recently did a summit. It was a 14 day summit and it was about unwind your mind. And as I picked the speakers and we went through it, I had no idea that at the end of the two weeks, that every single day, the common theme and thread was meditation. And they all described a time when their life became completely unraveled and how they built their life back up. And every single person used the process of meditation. So for wow. me, that was like, it really validated that process. 
And for anybody who's wondering like what the value of meditating is, this is what I'm going to explain to you. If you haven't, there'll be, if someone might've heard this before, but most people haven't. Imagine waking up in the morning and vacuuming your whole house and doing a great job lifting the couch, like lifting the, you know what I mean? Going all the corners and showing up, vacuuming your house with all your ability and attention that you want and finding out that you didn't plug the vacuum in. <laughs> So when we wake up every day and we have good intentions and we do everything that we're meant to do and we do all those things that we want and we didn't take time to plug in that morning, we've missed so much. Yeah. We've missed so much. And you don't know. And so that's why I don't notice the days that I do meditate. I notice the days that I don't meditate. Uh There's all kinds of dirt left everywhere. Mm-hmm. even though I go through the same daily ritual. So yeah, I do. And when I feel flustered, no matter what happens, I pull five minutes aside and I, if I have to sit on the toilet, I don't care. And I just breathe. Mm-hmm. People who say they don't have time. Well, you can just meditate for five, seven minutes. You know, it's still effective. It's better than nothing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And because all- we're not meant to do it alone. Meditating mm-hmm. connects us with our power and our support and our guidance and all of those helpers. And so when you wake up in the morning, you don't take time to meditate and you go to bed and you don't like set your intentions for what you want to happen while you're sleeping. You're just going it alone and you don't have to. So why would you do that? Yes. Yes. I love that so much. You know, what you said about noticing when you don't, that's rings true for me. And I haven't heard a person put it that way before, but yeah, I feel that way is like, oh, I'm off. I'm feeling off because I'm not connected to myself because I haven't done meditation for a week. (laughs) So get back to it, you know, and then, yeah, you just feel right with yourself again. And you notice the beauty in the world and you take it moment by moment instead of rushing past the journey like we were talking about earlier before so yes for me meditation has been profound in my life as well so when did you start and what got you to start doing meditation I'm curious I was kind of a I guess a weird little kid because I I got into it when I was a kid I had learned kind of energy work and meditation I don't really know how, but through different teachers on, believe it or not, TV and in books, um, I was kind of obsessed with watching this psychic Sylvia Brown on Montel Williams after school. This is <laughs> sounds so low vibe, but it was kind of a trigger to living more spiritually. She had these abilities that I didn't think anybody could do unless you're born with it. But uh, she did talk about meditation. And so, yeah, I would be like a nine, 10 year old kid. I would set a chair. I'd love a storm. If it was like windy in my backyard had huge cedars, hundred foot big trees. I would just sit a chair and just take in the energy of the earth and not say a word at like six in the morning, sometimes by myself and just be in quiet. Yeah, I was quite a lone wolf as a kid. So And through the years on and off, of course. And when I look back to the harder times in my life, I wasn't doing it. So just recently, again, in the last few years, after having uh, the loss of a loved one and a little bit of patchy time there with 
emotional crap, I've discovered, oh, this needs to be a daily practice. This needs to be something that's regular in my life. So it's just pushing myself to get over the little voice, the little ego, and make him ride in the back of the bus and say, no, no, I'm going to do this for me. And if I feel guilty, I do it anyway. If I feel I'm not enough, I do it anyway. And it's a huge, huge help. And it, it, it helps me follow the breadcrumbs in life. Yes. Um, you talk about that. guilt as well. And you getting over guilt when you were um, at the beginning of your having that break for three months that turned into 30 months. You must have felt like you're going a little bit mad, a little bit wonky and and that must have come with guilt how did you get over that well it's funny it's funny how everything ties together you just describe yourself as kind of like did you say weird what did you say different sure yeah both both things yeah I was a little weirdo yeah (laughs) okay so I have to say I I probably did a lot of like things that were wild and crazy in my life but I would have been looked at as the the mainstream kid that did Mm -hmm. everything that the person was supposed to and I realized um that my whole life, for as long as I could remember, I've had a tormented mind. I've had tormented thoughts. I've never felt enough, but I've always had the outside thing. So when you talk about the guilt and and, and all of that, what I finally realized, because my girls now, they're 24 and 20, they'll be 24 and 26 this summer. And all of a sudden I realized that part of my purpose was showing them that they have to live their truth and it's okay to make sure you're okay. And if I didn't make sure I was okay in front of them, they would never know that they were worthy enough to make sure they were okay. And that reframed guilt into actually leadership Mm. and love. I'm showing, I'm leading by example. I'm putting myself first today or this week or this month, and I'm going to make sure I feel better. Because if I show up for you when I'm feeling crappy, so maybe I'll have less guilt, but then that's not even true because then I'll feel guilty because I showed up crappy. Mm. So the guilt just kind of washed yourself away and it turned into lead by example. If I'm worth it, they'll learn that they're worth it. Mm-hmm. And so I found purpose. And so for people who don't have children, then there's people who look up to you. You just have to find that purpose in what you're doing. And then when the purpose is tied to alignment, the guilt kind of just fades away. You know, like you bring light into a dark room and the darkness just goes away. You can't fight it. Mm-hmm. So, right. So if you bring in that purpose, it's like bringing light into a dark room and the guilt just kind of just goes away. Mm-hmm. And I would sound, I said, everybody, this is super simple. It's so, 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 so simple. It's just not easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so simple. Yeah. And you give me a visual light in a dark room. It's like you have to allow space for the guilt to be there. So if you don't do that and, you know, you do expand your light, meaning follow your purpose, lead by example, be your best self, and you're expanding the light in the room and the guilt just gets pushed out. I love that visual. Thank you for that. Cool. And you recognize it. You see it for what it is. You see the darkness in your heart, even. The -hmm. guilt represents the darkness in your heart. Like, honestly, I didn't even know how to define guilt. Like, someone would say, why why are you making that? Like, the kids would say, why are you making me feel guilty? And I I was, like, in my 40s. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, how do I make you feel guilty? I had to really, like, dig deep into that word. Because it, it was a word that I knew was not nice, but I didn't really understand it. And then when I got to understand it, I realized that it didn't really even make sense. Like it's such a useless thing. 
but we ignore it or we accept it or we just like, we just push it aside. Guilt is tremendously important to look at in every aspect of your life because it's calling you to bring more light. It's your, it's your friend. It's like, you're feeling yucky. It's your friend saying, Hey, if I'm here, you've got work to do. Yes, exactly. I love that way. And often it, it only comes from other expectations you're holding that you think other people want of you when maybe they don't even, but it's the stories in your head, you know, it's the programming, it's the conditioning of what what we think we're supposed to do. So then we do that and we don't feel happy and we feel guilty that now we're not happy because what we're doing everything we were supposed to. Well, yes, but if it wasn't in an alignment with your soul's purpose, it's going to feel like crap. So (laughs) when you're feeling yucky, you're lucky. It's true. Amazing. You just turn. It's it's like as simple as that. Turn that frown upside down. There's so many ways to deal with something, and it's so easy. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so simple, not easy. What's it? Yeah, so simple. It is simple. simple. You can see it, but the easy. It's not easy, but it gets easier and easier and easier, and actually becomes fun. Like it, it becomes fun. Yes, fantastic. So I I think we looped it back around to a good reason to have a coach or somebody like you because it is simple but it isn't easy and for a person to just be there as a little support a little guidance a little accountability um, a little oh how how is your thought nutrition you know a sounding board you can be all kinds of things as a coach and for uh, a year which seems like a blink of an eye to change your life wow how amazing i love it thank you i love it too and you know people who spend time on physical programs like exercise or like, you know, wanting to be healthy in terms of weight, all of those things are important, but they don't always sustain themselves. And why? Because you started on the outside. You've got to work on, it's got to be inside out. Once you get that inside thing done, like do this for a year. And then if you want to tackle anything else, it's going to have a whole different outcome because you're, you're not the same person going through those motions anymore. Right. And an, an empowered person has so much more capability to do the other things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Amazing. So, Melissa, how can people follow you, get in touch with you if they want to work with you? And how can people get your books? So you can reach me through my website and you'll have access to social media, the Amazon links for the books. And that's probably because we're talking to a broad audience here. Amazon's probably the best way to get them. Um, and my website is Melissa hyphen, like a dash lions.com Fantastic. and email me directly. Like we, you can talk to me and I'll, and I'll write you back or we can set up a, a time to talk about things, whether it's the books or coaching or just, yeah, I don't know. I, I like meeting people. <laughs> And you're so fun to meet. And I'm so glad we've connected (laughs) (laughs) through this funny way of, yeah, my mom and and your uncle and, and yeah, how cool. We can't forget the glass of wine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when you're in the Okanagan, (laughs) right? you you have to have a glass of their beautiful wine. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you coming on very, very much. It's an honor to talk to you and... I will put all of your links in the show notes. So if you're looking for Melissa's links, just scroll down to the show notes and she'll be right there and just click on it. And I appreciate you. Thank you very much for sharing your light today. Thanks, Brandy. And same to you. And I want to do some work with you. I want to 
as you explore your expand your mediumship and all the things you're doing, I'm really excited to watch your life unfold. It's wonderful <laughs> to meet you. Thank you very much. All right. Until we meet again, then. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. If you liked this episode, please go give a review to the podcast, like, share, subscribe, whatever you can do. It helps me grow and it makes my heart grow at the same time. <laughs> so until we meet again, friends. Bye.